people like yourself or myself might take for granted, like you said, but you know, just because we take it for granted doesn't mean other people have that expertise as well. This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 93. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. One of our favorite things in the world to do is email marketing. You can probably tell because we also launched a podcast very recently. Well, recent, when I say a couple of months recently, ago, a couple of months ago, going called, super well, called the Email Marketing Show. Mm. But we're very excited that we have John Mullery on the show today talking about email marketing for people who really don't want to do email marketing. Maybe it's just not something they don't have the time to learn or they're not interested in learning it. And so he has an email marketing agency. Super exciting stuff. And this is a really a business. I'd never heard of until this episode. Hey, this is Rob and Kennedy Hello. from Response Suite. And as we said, as we alluded to, our third marketer on the podcast today, uh, walking into the podcast today, I should say, is Mr. John Mulray. I've been studying John's stuff for quite a long time, but I never really had that much of a peek inside of his email marketing agency. And it's literally just that. Businesses can go and pay John and him and his team will write the emails and they'll work out the angles. Sing and the emails. Sing the emails. <laughs> Little Britain joke for you there who's seen it. And so what that means, Dennis Waterman, what that means is that you can now do this uh, as, a, as a business. This is a thing you can do if you want to get good at email marketing and then go out and offer that as a service. So in this episode, we're talking about how you get clients. We're going to talk about how you get into the sort of voice and the personality and the tone yeah, of your clients. It's about getting into their heads. Anyway, before we get into any of that, we're going to go over into Rob's all important quote of the week. That's right. Because as they say, as ducks cry, rivers flood. That's a lot of crying from a very large duck. Oh, that's, what, that's, that's what it is. It's just, it just feels, it feels it ready, it doesn't it? It feels ready, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't had time to plan that one, so that was... Did, that it, just was just, come, did it just come out? Just was, it just, was it right from, that was just right, right from the heart? Natural inspiration <laughs> there. beautiful. Just... <laughs> Absolutely loved it. <laughs> uh, Talking about inspiration, if you want some inspiration for how to spice up your email marketing, we do have our free web class going on. If you want to go over to responsibly.com slash webinar, we'll show you a really great email marketing campaign that's going to help you to increase your sales. And it's really helped us. It's quite, it's quite amazing. We're going to give you a complete sneak peek inside of a complete campaign. So that's free for you to register over at responsibly.com slash webinar. Now with email marketing in mind, let's dive in and chat to Mr. John Moore. John Mulry, welcome to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. How are you? I am very, very well, thank you. How are you guys? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Yes, dead excited to be chatting with you. Now, John, you've got quite a different business from actually anyone we've spoken to on the podcast. Do you want to tell us a bit more about it? Yeah, well, the, my, my business itself is made up of um, two areas. So I'll dive into the area that I deal with myself from a client point of view, and then I have the information marketing side as well, which I can talk about then afterwards. Mm-hmm. From a client point of view, I, I run a, essentially a marketing consultancy business or a marketing agency, but it's not like a typical agency. It's not like a typical consultancy business where I'm dealing with something like social media or Facebook ads or anything like that, which is the lion's share of the mark. My consultancy business focuses in around direct response email marketing. And so consultancy business purely focuses around email marketing. And then we add in other elements as we see fit, but that's the kind of primary um, strategic objective we look at with each of our clients in terms of what are they doing from an email marketing point of view? Are they doing anything from an email marketing point of view? And then we implement um, done-for-them campaigns and we manage their email marketing on an ongoing basis for a monthly fee. Okay. All right. Wow. Okay. So this and is literally outsourced email marketing. Essentially, yeah. So we don't deal with like, we don't deal with everybody. We deal with like my personal clients. I deal with like the, um, if you want to talk that the guys that know they 
know what to do and they know that they should be doing it, but maybe they just don't have the bandwidth themselves because maybe they're, um, say, for example, one of my clients would be um, a personal development guru and he would be massive in the space, but mm-hmm. he knows he should be doing email marketing. He essentially knows what type of emails to send. It's just he can't be sitting down at a computer implementing email marketing. He needs to be going out speaking on stages. He needs to be going out doing podcasts, interviews, and doing everything else. So then we take that over and we handle it for him because we have the, the bandwidth and the campaigns all ready to go to be plugged into his business, depending on what his funnel and what his back end looks like. This sounds fascinating because one of the things that a lot of us are really good at, that our listeners to the show and us ourselves, are really strong at email marketing. We, th- we always think about it as one of those sort of, t- we take it sort of for granted that we are good at email marketing. We can build a funnel. We can build automations and link those things together. And it's always the case that, I don't know about you, John, but if I could rewind and go back to the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey, as they call it, um, one of the things I definitely would do, I know Rob and I, we've talked about it, is we would stop learning how to do so many things ourselves and actually just focus on running the business and getting other people to do these things. So now we've got these skills in email marketing. This is obviously a really valuable skill set that we could be offering other people. So how does someone go about, like, what is, what, who, who do you approach? Like, who, if, if some of us, someone's listening to this thinking, well, Christ, that's a bloody great idea, John. I want to be, a, I wanna be a, a, an email marketing agency or something like that. Who buys that? I mean, like, there's, and I talk about this a lot to the people that I work with, but there's two ways to go about it. Obviously, at the beginning of any, when you're starting a business, you you look at niche selection, you look at target market. But the beautiful thing about email marketing specializing, when you specialize in something like that, you're already specializing. So you could go after lots of different markets because you're an email marketing specialist and that's what you're going to focus on. So, you know, a dentist might need that. A chiropractor might need that. A personal development coach might need that and the mechanics of what you're going to do for them is going to be essentially the same. Or you could take the other side, you just, I'm just going to focus on email marketing for, for you know, gurus or email marketing for um, YouTube experts that have a massive YouTube channel, but they have feck all of an email back end when they know they should be monetizing their list and they're trying their damnedest to build an email list on top of their massive YouTube channel, but they just don't know how to, how to do it or they're just too busy doing videos all day long. Mm-hmm. So you could take, take a, a, a kind of a two-pronged approach and the approach that I take is, Myself personally, I go after um, I go after essentially you know top drawer experts or gurus at a certain level. That I hate that word guru, but you you know what I mean by that. So the guys that are already doing really really well, you know, multiple six figure, seven figure um, businesses, and they have they either have an established email list that they're neglecting, or they have um, the assets in place that you know we can get them some amazing results very very quickly with some straightforward email marketing campaigns that. People like yourself or myself might take for granted, like you said, but you know, just because we take it for granted doesn't mean other people have that expertise as well. So what you're looking for is people who are already killing it on something else, some social channel or some other channel, and there's a gap that you can see, actually they're not driving to anything email-wise, and you can swoop in and really enhance everything they've got rather than going for a person who's sort of starting from scratch from ground zero. Yeah, exactly. And one of my, um, I have a, I, I, I show other people how to do this and my information marketing side of business is actually showing people how to set up an email marketing agency and everything else. Okay. But one of the, one guy that, that came through my program and he was kind of humming and hawing and he was, you know, he was like, oh, uh, not too sure where I should start and everything else. And I was like, okay, let's start with the low hanging fruit. And it's the same in any business. We always start with the low hanging fruit. Yeah. And he had an existing um, agency and he was working with a pool of existing clients 
And he goes, well, okay, we'll just choose one of those clients. And he goes, well, tell us about the client. He's like, well, they do this, that, and the other. They have an email list of 50,000 customers that they never email. And I'm like, hold on. What do you get? <laughs> they have an email list of 50,000 customers that they don't email. There's your in right there. If you set up a simple campaign for them, like a, a, a reactivation campaign, a special offer campaign, and start to re-engage that list, that's just money waiting to be found. Yeah. And those type of what I call the, the massive opportunities, they're out there in multiple different markets and multiple different segments. And with something like email, I don't need to tell you guys how, how powerful it is, but you can get a massive ROI very, very quickly. Very quick. What are your sort of thresholds on that? You know, what do you consider to be a sizable enough list that now it's ready to tap into? Because obviously, and I, I realize it is going to vary a bit from niche to niche. You know, if somebody sells jumbo jets, they're probably not going to have a list of <laughs> a million people. But if somebody sells combs, they're probably, they might have a list of a million people. So I love your niche analogy there, Rob. Jumbo jets and combs. That's <laughs> like a song, doesn't it, from the 60s? Um, like rainbows of kittens <laughs> and jumbo jets and combs. <laughs> so what's your sort of threshold, really, for what considers, to, you know, when somebody's ready to, to come on board as a client with you? How, how do you, like, work out, okay, yeah, they, they have enough of a list that it's going to be worthwhile? I mean, like, the, the email list is just kind of one element to it. But if, if you take a local business, a local business doesn't need a massive list. If a local business has a list of a couple of thousand plus, we can get some great results with that. If it's someone else and they may be like an online marketer, an information marketer, or they, you know, we may be looking 10,000 plus from an email list. Or if it's someone like a, a YouTube, say someone who has a YouTube channel and they have you know, X amount of followers, so say whatever, they have 100,000 followers on YouTube or 50,000 followers, but their email list is very, very poor, we can, we can flip the switch on that to, to start getting their YouTube subscribers to start building that email list and, and go from there. So it really does, like you say, it does depend. But I would say for anyone that was thinking about doing this, be strategic about it, especially if you're new. You want to be able to get results quickly. You don't want to be spending the, the lion's share of your time building out stuff that's just going to slow you down from getting them in ROI quickly, which is one of the strategies that I like to do is called like a quick win strategy. How can I get the person a win as quickly as possible. So A, they're delighted. B, they're open to referring me. And C, they want to keep you know working mm -hmm. with me on an ongoing basis. So mm -hmm. if you can figure out things that, okay, if they have an email list of 10,000 people that they're not communicating with frequently, or they have an email list and they're communicating once a month, but what they're sending out is pure garbage, or they have no backend systems that they can, you know, like the, I talk about five systems, and maybe we can talk about that in a second, the five systems that every business should have. If they don't have those in place, they're just as much as an opportunity as the size of an email list, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, 100%. This is really cool. I think one of the things, when you're kind of looking at maybe taking on a new client, obviously you have to make sure, just as they have to make sure you're a good fit for them, you need to make sure they're going to be a good fit for you. So I might come to you and say, hey, John, do you know what? I've been selling information products online for X years. I've got this list of 50,000 people, but do you know what? I'm not very good at email marketing. I don't like it. I don't know what to do. Can you run it for me? Do you do any level of vetting to make sure that I haven't just bought that list and they're all stony cold? Or, because you know, me giving you my money for a period of time is okay, but it's not going to be worth your effort getting started if you can't get any results because that list's been bought from somewhere or, you know, like, do you do any vetting of what they're at for your own protection, I suppose? Oh, of course. I would do an initial background check on the person and make sure they're okay. I would reach out to people that I may, may be in a similar space that I have a connection with. And then in terms of the actual email list as well, we would check like the last time it was cleaned, we would check their domains on like MX tools and everything else, see if there's any spam traps, something related to what they're doing. And if there's any red flags at all, it'll go back to that person first and say, look, this is what we've come up with. Or if it's all plain sailing, which it generally is with the people, I have a qualification process that, that people come through for myself. But it, for anybody else, 
you just have to be kind of, you know, common sense comes onto it at the end of the day. If someone comes to you and sends you a Facebook message saying, oh, hey, you do emails. I have an email list of 25 million people. And <laughs> I bought it on Fiverr for a Fiverr. It's amazing. <laughs> I have a massive opportunity. Do you want to work with me? It's like a block and please go away and don't come back again. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and as part of that then, obviously when people come to you with a list, it's pr- presumably already in their email marketing platform, whether that's GetResponse or ActiveCampaign or Infusionsoft. At that point, are you in a position where you and your team are ready to like just dive in, whatever the email platform is, we can get started? Or do you actually, as part of your onboarding process, say, do you know what? We use X platform. Let's get your email list imported into there. How do you like to work? Are you just really adaptable to jump into whatever they're using or do you get them into your platform? Um, pretty much, to be honest, so many people get hung up on what type of platform to use that they never actually use the damn thing because they're too worried about whether it's to be switching to another thing. So if they're using some one of the stable platforms like to get responses, the active campaigns, the HubSpots, the Infu- or the confusion stuff, as it's sometimes known, or yeah. any of those, and yet that's fine with us and that's fine with me. And because the last thing you want to be doing is spending the first month or so of working with the client, spending all that time transferring over to a new system. And it's just, it can be just a nightmare. And again, it slows you down from being able to get them the result, which at the end of the day is the most important thing that it comes to it. Otherwise they're not going to be happy. You won't be getting paid and they don't get to help as many people as they could help. That's lovely. And what I'm thinking now is when somebody hears about you, the fact that you do the email marketing bit of things, which element of that do you do? Because obviously there's a number of things you could be doing. You could be doing your sort of cold outreach. That's just sort of the, the, the prospecting element of it, which usually involves buying lists and trying to warm them up and then getting them in. And then there's the marketing element of trying to get people to raise hands and all that sort of good stuff. And then there's the sales period, the sales phase as well. It's like the three, and then there's the, there's the fourth one, which is the post-sales bit about re- reselling, upselling, cross-selling, referrals. Do you take care of it from end to end from cold outreach prospecting all the way through to the post, or is there a bit of that you find actually this is the bit you're most comfortable with? The only bit that I don't really focus on, unless the client's um, product or service lends itself nicely to it, is the cold email outreach. We build out everything else after that, and we I, I'd only ever use that occasionally in terms of maybe reaching out to some high-level partners or to so you know strategic joint ventures or something like that. But from a cold outreach, from a cold cold email to a customer. It's not something I really focus on. I rather focus on, you know, um, things like acquiring the leads through, you know, opt-in lists and everything else, and you know, you know, driving traffic to to get them to, you know, opt-in for for some sort of thing, whether it's a webinar or whether it's a, a free book and a free free plus shipping book offer or something like that, and then bring them through the process, build out the email campaigns needed for every stage from then on afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you've got to know what you're good at, haven't you? You've got to like just be really focused on that bit, and and so that's why you can deliver the most value as well. So right, at the, right earlier on, you talked about these five systems that every business needs to have. That's what you go into first of all. You help them set up. So run us through what those five core systems are. Yeah. So the first system is fairly straightforward. It's a lead generating system. It's a way, it's a system for generating leads. Whether that's generating leads uh, online or offline, you need we like. You notice everybody, every business needs to have a system for generating leads. And if you can have multiple entry points into your funnel or into your process, the better. So system number one is a lead generating system. The next one then is a sales conversion system. So whatever your core offer is, and it's, it's something that we spend a lot of time with as well as helping the, the business owner or helping the, 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 the coach or the consultant figure out what their core offer is. Because a lot of the times they don't even know what they're offering. And if you don't know what you're offering, how the hell is your target market going to know what you're offering? 
So yeah. once we have a then we build out a sales conversion system around that. And that, again, that really depends on the system. If you're selling uh, a book for ten dollars, it's going to be a completely different system than if they're selling a coaching program for ten thousand dollars. Yes, of course. And then the the next system, which I think is arguably the most important, is a client experience system. So once you've got there, we go. Sale, now you're talking my language. Once we've got the system and once we've got the got the sale, so many people is like, okay, move on, next sale, what's happening next? And they forget that this person that's just come through the door that spent a lot of money on, on a lot of vacations, if we look after them properly, they could multiply themselves knowing it. So I like mm. to have a client experience system or a client journey process that they go through as like a new new customer welcome or a new customer journey that we bring them through over a period of time to embed them into us. And then it allows the other two systems to come to fruition as well. And then the fourth system is referral generation. Because uh -huh. so many people say they're most, the number one source of referrals is word of mouth, but no one actually goes out there and has a system in place to get that type of referral on an ongoing systematic basis. Okay. And then the last one then is a lost customer reactivation. So for any customers that may have dropped off in the past or may have um, you know, gone away or, or whatever happened, just lapsed for some reason, that we have a, a lost customer reactivation system that, that goes out at a certain point in time after that they've no longer doing business with us, whether it's from a membership point of view or whether it's from an ongoing monthly point of view or whatever the case is. That's really cool. When you go in to sell to a new client, do you go in and say, right, these are the five systems that businesses need to have in place and you've only got one and we need to get you the other four and we'll build those out with you? Or do you just go in and kind of say, okay, great, I'm going to sell you this one thing. So you just pick one of those that's like the next one they're missing and then know that actually this is going to give me something where in a month's time I can come back and say, okay, great, now we can tell you the next bit. How do you approach that sales process? Uh, well, my clients come to me, and through way of generally speaking, they, I, I use my books to get a lot of clients. I have um, too many thicker books to name, but I use my. <laughs> well, I have a lot of book funnels out there, and I have a lot of free training out there. And from there, people would migrate up from those to to apply to work privately, and we we'd have a conversation. And before we have that conversation, I have this qualifying questionnaire that qualifies them to me, but also qualifies me to them, and it kind of opens them up in terms of. What their, what their bottlenecks are, what their pain points are, what they're looking to achieve, where they are, where they want to go, and so on and so forth. And then our conversation is based on what they say in that. So if they say that their bottleneck is lead generation, I will dig into that and see if it is an actual bottleneck or they just think it's a bottleneck because sometimes people think they need more leads, but they have a dormant email list of 25,000 people that they're not emailing and like they, they don't need leads, they need to reactivate that list. So we would figure out what where their bottlenecks are and then the, our whole conversation from a, whether it's in person or screen share or whatever the case is, is going through the answers that they've given. And then from there, depending on the client and depending on how big the opportunity is, I would either offer them a solution there and then on the call, or what I would do is I do a two-step. So it's a complete takeaway sale. I was like, okay, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go away and I'll put together an implementation plan and based on what we've talked about, and I will go away, work on that plan, and I will send it to them and like sales guys, when I say this before, it's like, oh no, you need to close them there and then. When the actual fact is that my close ratio is much, much higher when I, when I take the implementation route because I'm, they can see that there's integrity back behind it. And if you choose your clients in the first place properly, that taking a two-step approach always works better. And in, in that implementation plan, it'll be based on, okay, we will start with the low-hanging fruit, whatever that is, depending on their business. I say, for example, it could be something like re reactivating old leads or or you know, getting some lead magnets in place that are not in place, driving, getting some you know paid ads up and things like that, and to start driving leads, or whatever the low hanging fruit is. 
And then from there, we will bridge in. So the, the end goal over a period of time, whether that's three, six, nine, 12 months, is that they have all systems in place. This is really, really great. Wow. Now, yeah. John, we're going to go ahead and interrupt proceedings for a second to play our first game of the episode. Now, you... Yes, are pretty unlucky, right? Yeah, yeah. You were born on Friday the 13th, weren't you? You ended up in jail in Brazil. I did. And, uh, you ended up doing some crazy things in the Amazon jungle and uh, all these different unlucky things. So what we thought we'd do is we've come up with... We've, we've researched some superstitions, some unlucky things, and we're going to see how many of these you can guess. So we've got 10 of them. That we're should have been 13. I've just realized. Oh, oh that would have been so good. We'll do, we'll do three of them twice. <laughs> or just make up three more. Yes, exactly. So, uh, okay, here's the first one. What can't you say to someone before they walk on stage or give a presentation? What can't you say? Yeah, what should yeah, you not you, say? It's unlucky to say this. Break a leg? No, it's, it's, it's good to say break a leg, but it's bad luck to say good luck. Ah. Next one. What should, you, what should you never walk under? A ladder. Correct. Yes. But I, because I was born on Friday the 13th, I always walk under ladders. <laughs> you might do most of these things. What should you not place opposite a mirror? Another mirror. Correct. <laughs> oh, okay. What's the one thing that you should never, you know, cheers? Raise a glass and cheers to what? With what? Uh, no idea. It was water. You shouldn't cheers water. Really? Yeah. According to superstition, if you do any knitting outdoors, that will do what? <laughs> um, uh, change the weather. Um, oh, you, you can have that. You can have it. It's a good guess. It will prolong winter. So oh, yeah, okay. you go. don't do keep your knitting indoors, John. Number six. What should you never put on a table? A cat. Oh, new shoes. But you new will shoes. get hair in your soup, so that's probably a <laughs> good answer as well. And cats are stupid as well, so... <laughs> no, but you like, you're like you a dog guy, though. That's my... That's I'm a dog guy, yeah. Right? So, um, an itchy right hand, what does that mean? Is that... You're going to be in a fight? No, it means you're going to receive nose? money. It means you're going to receive money. Next one. What should you never do with an umbrella? It's unlucky to do this with an umbrella. Open it indoors. Correct. What uh, should you do with your hands when passing a graveyard? According to Japanese history, wasn't it? I think, it, I think it's a Japanese superstition. Uh, put them behind your back? No, it's hide your thumbs. Apparently thumbs represent your parents and by hiding them, it protects your parents, doesn't it? And finally, <laughs> what should you, uh, when should you not trim your nails? When should you never trim your nails? Uh, no idea. At night? Yes! Yes! Well done! Look yeah, that. No idea at That's night. 50%. Well done. That's amazing. Well done. Yes! Well, hey! Crowd goes mild. John, back to this email marketing agency stuff. This is really cool. One no, I want, things- to, I, want to, I want to do more of those questions. <laughs> <laughs> what color is unlucky and very bad taste to dye your hair? Red, correct, six points. So back to this email marketing stuff. One of the things, because we love email marketing. That's one of our big passions in real life. Mining Kennedy's big passions is email marketing. So when it comes to doing this for other people, though, how do you go about making sure that you kind of get the voice and the tone and the personality of that brand right? Especially, I suppose, if that person is a 
personality brand, you know, like, so for example, if Tony Robbins called you and said, John, I need you to come and handle my emails for you. How do you tap into that person's voice? That'd be quite different to Oprah, wouldn't it? And their personality. Um, well, give you a perfect example is uh, what I like to do is I, I like to do a deep dive into, into their stuff. So say if they have like a coaching program or say they have an information product that's fairly in depth, like it's a high ticket program mm-hmm. to, to not just say, Oh, I'll send your emails out. It's okay. Give me this and I'll go through it and I'll find your kind of your core competencies within that program that you have. And mm-hmm. you'll find or as you're listening to save, save the programs, like it's a, I don't know, it could be a 12 hour program, whatever the case is. But after you listen to that, you're going to have a fairly good idea of the person's tonality, the person's, how they speak, the, the type of words that they use. Say and then it, the phrase and their sort of names for things as well. Exactly. And then it's just as simple as for the first while, for the first few weeks, as you're writing the emails for them and stuff like that, it's just showing the emails to them before you send them out. And that, like after a couple of weeks, it's like, yeah, that's fine. And then just keep running with it. Like, so say, for example, okay. one of my clients I'm working with now, I thought it'd be tricky to get his voice. And I thought it'd be tricky to, to, to portray his personality because it is very different to my own personality. But it was only after a couple of weeks, he's like, yeah, I don't even need to see the emails anymore. Just keep doing what you're doing because it's working basically. And it gives them confidence and also gives you confidence that you're doing the right thing and you're getting good results for them. That's great. Yeah. And I suppose further on from that, are there any niches where you think, oh, I just can't, I can't do that niche. For example, I can't sell heart monitoring equipment because it's just so scientific and technical and I don't know anything about it. And therefore I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I might be putting people at risk by saying the wrong thing. Or, or you might just end up looking stupid if you don't know anything about it. For example, it would be useless Rob or I trying to do something in a sporting niche because we'd be using the wrong words. <laughs> the, you know, the cricket, the cricket club and the <laughs> golf bat. <laughs> the golf bat and all that. I mean, like for myself, I was approached by a client in the um, credit repair space mm-hmm. and it was a massive company and they were doing like, lots of different things. And I couldn't tell what they were doing that was shady versus not shady. So it didn't sit with me from an integrity point of view or from an ethical point of view. So I was like, no, I'm just not doing this because I don't know if the people that you're reaching out to or the people these campaigns are going to, whether they're going to be ripped off or anything like that. And that's, that's a big part of what I do. So anything, got to, anything unethical or anything that's, that's, you know, touches my integrity line, I won't, I won't touch it all. So it could be stuff that you don't know whether it's ethical or not, and therefore that's a problem. Or might, you yeah, don't might. understand. But what about in case in the, in the case that you just don't understand it, would you just refuse that as well? Probably, because like the, the thing is, with, with email marketing consultancy, you don't need a humongous amount of clients. You just you need a handful of clients and you're running a six-figure business. A few more clients and you have a team of outsourcers, you, you can run multiple six-figure business easily because you know, you're working on monthly retainers and more often than not, if you do things the right way, you don't need to be going out there getting 50 clients. Five to 10 clients max is more than enough. It's more than enough. So actually you bring up payment and you bring, and you bring up that sort of retainer thing. What is the payment model in this space? Because obviously there's a few things you could do. You could get paid based on some kind of results. You could do some kind of monthly retainer. You could do like an upfront balloon payment, like a, a kickstart upfront larger payment than a monthly retainer or a combination where you get results as well. You've done this a lot and you help other people set this kind of business up. In your experience, John, What's a really good payment model? Well, I'll share my payment model and then I'll share what I tell other people that are just getting started to do as well because it's a little bit Great. different That'd for be them yeah. because you know they, they might be a little bit apprehensive about being able to get results. And yeah. it's actually what I find a lot of problems there with a lot of programs there that are being sold, say, in the Facebook ads agency niche. Going out there, start, start a Facebook ad agency. They're basically just telling them, go out there, charge two grand a month or 1500 a month and you're flying it. So they just focus on that the fact that they're going to be charging 1500 a month without actually focusing on, well, hold on, can I actually get this person results? 
Yes. So the model that for someone who's brand new, I I outline what I call the the RIA model, which is results in advance. So it's basically it's a model that I kind of um, amalgamated and f- formed in my own way that I've learned learned from years and years ago from Frank Kern, which is getting people results in advance. So basically. Doing the work ahead of time to, if they're brand new, to get some results in the door in advance, maybe build up a case study of maybe five to six clients that you've got results for in advance that you do essentially for free on the basis that you're going to be getting case studies. It allows you to test your methods without worrying about, you know, losing a business money or anything like that. It allows you to, to, to get confident, which is the key to all of this is being confident, be able to get the results. And then from there, either transition them to a paid model or use them as case studies to go out there and get clients on a paid basis. So that's for people that are brand new. My, my myself, I use a kind of combination approach. I use it per project basis if it's um it's a if it's a big enough project, and I see this as a short term thing where I don't want to dive in too deep to working with a client. Because when I work with a client, I generally like my client retention rate is I have some clients over seven years that are still working with me. So a client like your lifetime customer value there is massive. So you, you want you want to be comfortable from you know, working with them on an ongoing basis. So you have to be comfortable knowing that it could be a long-term project. So if it's a long-term project, I do a monthly retainer. I don't, I usually don't have a setup fee for a monthly retainer, or I might use a setup fee as a sweetener where I might waive you the setup fee. One thing I will share is in terms of a a tip for anybody who's doing multi retainers or, or doing, um, type of, um, work where they work with people on an ongoing monthly basis. And something I learned from one of my first ever coaches years and years ago was, um, giving them a reason to take action now. So say, for example, we jump on a consultation and I outline how I can help you in your business and you're excited to work with me and I outline how we can work together on a monthly retainer basis. Mm-hmm. And then I give us like, so this, this is our fee if we get started between now and the next seven days. If we get started after seven days, the fee rises to, to why? That's and interesting. Giving them that kind of like, if you want to call it the, the fast action bonus for getting started or a fast action um you know, just for getting started quickly, that that does a lot of things at once. It encourages them to take action, which we all know taking action is the name of the game, but it also gives you confidence in knowing that, that you know, when you're working with a certain number of clients, you can be, you have that little bit more freedom to say, okay, I can, I have so many clients coming through the door. I have so many leads in my pipeline that I have to only work with the ones that are showing me that they're serious. And if you can show me you're serious, I'm going to reward you by giving you, you know, X amount a month off for the first 12 months or something like that. That's That's really nice. And do you put a minimum contract in with these monthly retainers? Three months minimum. Okay, cool. All right. And the reason I do three months is... Three months? Yeah, so like it's basically, the way I do it is like three month minimum and then after three months, we kind of take a look at what what our objectives were, take a look at what our KPIs that we wanted to achieve. And if everybody's happy, we move forward onto like a a rolling six month or rolling three month. And again, at the day, my whole big thing is results. If I'm not getting the person results, I don't deserve to be getting paid every month. And I think everybody should run their business that way. But so many of the um, information programs and quote unquote coaching programs out there just focus on the, if you do this, you can make 1500 a month per client. It's like, yeah, but what about getting the client results? Results. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So cool. Now, John, we're going to interrupt proceedings for a second time to play our uh, final and our favorite game. So here's how it works. My colleague Kennedy here. Hello. That's him. He's going to sing a song for you now, John, as you know. Now, this song will be sung in the style of a traditional British (laughs) pub singer. And that means that some of the words will be quite difficult to understand. Your job, John, and of course, dear listener at home, is simply to guess what song Kennedy sings. So take it away. Ship it, sail, baby, sheep, 
That's one of the best ones you've ever done. <laughs> really? <laughs> John, we were friends. Come on, man. Any I was, uh, some For some reason, I'm thinking meatloaf, but I don't even know why. Not bad. I, guess. I, can, I, can, I can see, see why, why you went for that. Anyone, anyone, in, our, anyone in the office? Anyone in our office in, got it? Graceful, no. Not a chance. No. That was Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. Really? Yeah, really. really. Honestly, I'm going to I'm gonna have to listen to that one back. And, no. <laughs> My head is racing about this idea of running, a, running this email marketing agency. In terms of internally, there's lots of moving parts. You're working with even just five clients. What kind of, we'll call it tech stack, what kind of kit do you use in order to make this all work? It, uh there's not no big secret to be honest. It's just whatever platform they're using. I have some stuff that I use for myself internally, like things like I use Slack a good bit for you know organizing different things. I use um, Drive, Google Drives, and Dropbox for storage. And I, like the organization of this is like one thing. It's it's kind of like mundane and it's not a massive thing, but it's folder organization. How you do that? So say I have a folder, and then within that folder, I would have different folders for every one of my clients. And then within each one of those client folders, they would have specific folders related to their assets, related to email campaigns, related to promotions and everything else. And that one simple thing, just organizing folders, which sounds so normal and boring, makes it so easier that if I need to find the client goes, oh, do you have the promotion for this? I can just go in straight to his folder, go into promotions, find the promotion and just show it to him. Yeah. yeah, lovely. There you go, John Mulry, keeping it simple because we can all be very guilty of finding more and more systems and processes and putting them in place for the sake of it. Now, John, we're going to jump over now into what we lovingly call the quick fire round. Hey, hey, you don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers podcast now on your podcast player. John, what will be a book you recommend? A book I recommend, I'm actually looking at it right now, and it's a book that not a lot of people know about. Without, I'm obviously not going to promote my own books, but um, the book called Grinding It Out by Ray Kroc. Very cool. Can you give us one of your top success habits, something that you do regularly? Um, I work out every day, and it just gets my mind right when I can... It gives me time to focus in the mornings, and working out just lets me plan for my day while I'm working out as well, and I think it's something that... Like, I don't know, Richard Branson said that why is he so successful? Because he works out. So I'm going to model him. So <laughs> Why not model him? Yeah. Uh, which entrepreneur or marketer do you look up to? Um, marketer, look up to, I have to be my, my mentor, Dan Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Cool. You mentioned a couple there, but what are your favorite apps that you really rely on and you think other people should be using? I have an app that I use probably every single day on my computer. And it's, it's a free app that comes with Windows as the snipping tool. I think it's absolutely amazing. It just allows you to drag and drop on your screen. It, it snips out the image. You can save it down as an image. You can draw on it. And it's very, very cool for just doing um, screenshots. I love that. I love that. And big important question for you. Who do you like more, red-haired Rob or platinum-haired Kennedy? Well, since my soon-to-be mother-in-law thinks I have auburn hair, which is kind of like a red hair, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to say Rob. There we go. And finally... <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Where can folks go to find out more about you and everything that you're doing? They can find out at me directly from my website by going to www.johnmullery.com or if they want to get some free copies of my books, they can go to www.johnsfreebook.com. 
That was, that's a pretty snazzy title, isn't it? Links to all of that stuff is in the show notes. We'll be giving you the link to that in but a moment's time. John, thank you so much. This has been so enlightening to find out about this email agency concept. Uh, and I, I just, it's so exciting. So thank you for this. Cheers, mate. No problem. Thanks so much, guys. I'm delighted to have it on. Can I just say something as well before we wrap up? Yeah. It is so refreshing to not only be on a podcast, but to listen to a podcast where the hosts don't take themselves too serious and they like to have a bit of banter because so many of them are just so strict and so so boring where this one's actually, you know, entertaining to listen to while also educational as well. So that's so cool. So big up to you. Getting into their voice, never mind the head of the people you're writing for. That's a biggie, isn't it? I think there's something that feels distinctly more difficult about doing that with email than regular long form copy. For some reason, I don't know why. I think it's because the emails have to follow on from each other. They have to be more conversational. Typically are going to be a little bit more conversational. I think the reason as well is in my emails, at least, I talk about stuff that's happening in my life. Whereas if you don't know what's happening day by day in that other person's life, then that's going to be a lot trickier, isn't it? Yeah. It's one of the reasons I found writing emails, swipe emails for like affiliates to promote our products and response rate quite difficult Mm. because I find it hard to write stuff that isn't totally just in my voice. So really, really powerful stuff from John there. Really good stuff. All the show notes, of course, are over at blog.responsesuite.com slash 093. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, and again, we know you have, then you can go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. But you should also subscribe to our brand new podcast, The Email Marketing Show. We've been going for a couple of months now. If you haven't checked it out already, you are missing out. Just uh, go and search for The Email Marketing Show on all of your favorite podcast players, where every week you get to hear us talk either amongst ourselves or with a guest expert on some important element of that marketing through email. You can also, if you fancy looking at us while we do this, with that new show, we actually put it on YouTube as well. So you can see us as we sit here and record the show. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you here and there next week. See ya. Don't miss a thing. thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com.